Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. We've been doing this show for a number of years now, and I have never had the reaction to a show coming on that I had over this. I mean, we've had on superstars from the world of sports, we've had politicians, we've had entertainment stars, and yet the subject of Costco gets everybody excited, and we have the perfect people to talk about Costco who have written the definitive book on Costco. And let me tell you, it came a few weeks early, I got a chance to read it, and I It just passes it around. Everybody reads it like in a day because they just can't put it down. Their names are David and Susan Schwartz, and their book is The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. I have a question right off the bat. You guys live in a small apartment in New York City. So how does somebody who lives in a New New York City small apartment get excited about Costco where it seems like everything you have, you got to buy lots of? Well, that's that's a great question. we, we do live in a 450-square-foot apartment. It is very small. But, you know, we manage, you know, we do have a small storage facility in, in our building. So, yeah, we live in one of these big New York apartment buildings, and we do have a small storage unit. But, you know, the other thing is that a lot of, a lot of what Costco sells is not gigantic. I mean, you can save money by buying two Grey Poupon mustard jars rather than one. Um, and, you know, it's just an additional Grey Poupon mustard jar. And we, we, we think of it like that. We, you know, we, we, we shop strategically. We shop for what we need. Uh, we also use some of the services like optical and, uh, and Susan has hearing aids. So that doesn't take up any room. But, you know, we, we manage What's very well. What did you say? <laughs> we manage very well. It, it, it's incredible how... You brought out in the book what we all feel. There's, there's a certain excitement about going to Costco. I can't quite figure out what it is. It's it's not really beauty, and yet there's something about that when you go in there, I guess it's the possibility of finding a great deal or uh, getting that one thing and seeing what they have on because whatever they put out is now a big deal because there's a lot that goes through it, right? Absolutely, and you've, you've hit on um, a really important part, which is the treasure hunt angle of it. I doubt anybody ever goes to Costco thinking, I'd like to find dill pickle-flavored cashews or everything bagel cashews. But you walk in, you turn a corner, and there they are, and they're a great price. They're high quality, and you think, that's fantastic. And you, you often like get another bag and give it away as a gift. Um, Costco's business model is really unusual. They sell only 3,800 items. To put this in, in perspective, a regular supermarket sells 40,000 items. Walmart would sell 140,000 items. So Costco is highly, highly curated. So the treasure hunt starts actually in the home office in Seattle, where the buyers go through lots and lots of po- possible things they could be selling, and they pick out the highest quality and sell it at rock-bottom prices. And they, they vary the, the merchandise. So it's always changing. It's always exciting. Around the world, wherever you go, we've been to 14 countries, you always know it's Costco, but it's always a little bit different. 40% of the product is regional. 
So in Alaska, you'll get reindeer sausages. And in Taiwan, they sell the rotisserie chicken with the head on. That, that would be a whole nother experience. Yes. Let, let's talk a little first about how you guys got into this. I mean, you know this stuff. And I, this was kind of fun because, I mean, you're very serious people, incredible educations and so forth. And yet you're having fun with this, right? I mean, where did it come oh, from? Oh, we had a ball. We had an absolute ball. You know, Susan and I met uh, in 2002. And we very quickly realized that we both love Costco. We love shopping for the reasons we just talked about. It's like a big treasure hunt. It's in Aladdin's cave, and you never know what you're going to find. And it's, but you do know it's going to be high quality and low price. So when we would go on holidays, when we would go on vacations, we would always uh, have a hotel room with a kitchen. And Susan loves to cook, and we would go shopping at a local Costco, bring food in, and cook for for our evenings. In fact, that's what we did in, in Las Vegas. Uh, and then um, I I ended up uh, sort of going into a, a career in writing. And I, in 2016, I was just finishing a book about an Italian scientist named Enrico Fermi, and I which involved great travel. We traveled all around for that book. And I was casting around for ideas for other books, and I was talking to Susan about it, and she was, she was fouling off every idea I had because it didn't involve enough travel. And then at one point she said, you know, let's both write a book together about Costco. We love the company. We love shopping there. People want to know how do they do it, and it will involve a lot of travel, and we can go all over the world. We might even be able to go to China. And I said, ah, I don't think so. And by the time our walk was over, we were doing this on a walk from, from, uh, from Chinatown up to our apartment. By the time that walk was over, she had persuaded me. And, you know, it really has been the adventure of a lifetime. Okay, he's being kind. It actually took longer than that. It took about a week, but I did wear him down. Um, <laughs> but there were, there were three problems. David's very optimistic, so he's glossing over this. The first one was that I had never written a book, so I'm not sure why I said we should write a book together. Um, She's a very good writer, by the way. Thank you. Uh, the second problem, pretty serious, is that COVID was around the corner. That was back in 2016. We had no idea travel would become the challenge it's become. But the biggest problem is that Costco really was not keen on the idea of a book. They're very, very modest, and we were bragging screaming from the hills how great Costco was. So it took us two years to meet the surviving co-founder, Jim Sinegal, and the CEO, Craig Jelinek. It took another three years to convince them that we were writing the book, whether they helped us or not. So the book is completely independent of Costco. They've been very, very generous with information. They've allowed us behind the scenes to, to go see all sorts of great stuff. But we've done it totally independently. And to this day, Jim Sinegal, God bless him, says, there's no book here. No one wants to read about Costco. I don't want a book, but he, he did read every last word. We gave them full approval of the manuscript. And, um, and we do think that there are people that, that a lot of people will want to find out about Costco. He's so. just humble and modest, and that's the company culture. You know, it's interesting because when you read the book, you first think, okay, this is a love affair with Costco, and it is, but it is certainly not a hack piece. I mean, if anybody thinks that, I thought it was really good, done from a perspective where these are real journalists writing. This isn't the PR side, and... Uh, and it came across, and I guess the Costco people kind of liked it. Now, are they going to sell your book? Well, we found out three weeks ago, yes, they are going to carry it in the warehouse, and also online, as it turns out. But we, we've been at this for seven years, and we never once presumed that they would sell the book. It's, it's being broadly distributed. It'll be at you know, large bookstore chains and independents as well. You know, and I, I also, we, Susan and I really wanted to avoid it being just a hack job. You know, we wanted to give real information that people would find interesting and useful 
about Costco. And we had a, we had a lot of fun finding out this stuff. So, you know, it, it, it was, it, it, we, we wanted it to be fun, but we also wanted it to be informative. And I think, I hope we struck that balance. Absolutely, you did, because I gave it to my wife, who's a very, uh, very tough critic sometimes. I go, what do you think? I want you to go through this book. And she did like what everybody else did. She went through it in a couple days, and she said, you know, it's fantastic because you go through it, and the way you set it up is perfect because it's A to Z, and it kind of goes back and forth. I mean, there was a one time they had a bathroom book, they called it, where you could pick up a page, and it, it's kind of, I mean that in the most positive way. It's a book you can pick up, and any page you look at is going to be interesting, and it just makes you want to read more. Uh, and that seems almost like you were bringing it out like a, an evangelist for uh, Costco. Because <laughs> we love this place. Here's why. Don't you love it too? And you, you read through, and go, yeah. The thing I did after I got through reading it the next day, I go, I'm time for a Costco trip. You know, you're absolutely right. And one of the things about the book that we think adds to that experience is the design and layout. We had a, a wonderful book designer named Bonnie Siegler at Eight and a Half, who uh, a studio here in, in the New York City area, who designed the book. And you know, these these blocks of text. Uh, that are that are graphically distinguished uh, in the book really allow you to pick up the book anywhere, read a block, and you walk away with some important and interesting piece of knowledge. I love the history of it because you grew up in the Bay Area, the same place I grew up, and I remember going to the Price Club. That was what it was called. It was the exactly. Price Club. Kind of talk a little how this great concept turned into Costco. It kind of like was a bunch of these little things, and then they put it together and created this superstore that's really taken the world by storm. Well, the person who really had the initial idea for all of this was a man named Saul Price. You know, when I was growing up in the Bay Area and I knew about Price Club, I thought it was the name Price Club because it was low price. It had nothing to do with that. It's the name Saul Price. That was his name. And he created the store. His first attempt was a company called FedMart, which was in the Southwest. It was in Southern California and Arizona. And uh, that lasted until 1975, 76, when it was bought by a German conglomerate. And Saul and his son, who were running uh, uh, FedMart, left. Uh, then they began to think about uh, club warehouse ideas and came up with Price Club, which they started in San Diego. And that was, a, it, it took a while to catch on, but it was a, a really successful operation. In 19, the 1980 time frame, they went public and their financials uh, were seen by a lot of people who were interested in the retail business. And they began to see that this is a very interesting business model, a difficult business model, but an interesting one. It's challenging to keep the discipline of uh, you know, restricted uh, stock and low price. And uh, a number of, of organizations decided they were going to try to copy it, uh, one of which was Sam's Club, obviously, and one of which was BJ's, and one of which was, was Costco. Uh, and the people who founded Costco were very explicit about, you know, they just wanted a clone of, of Price Club. They thought they could do it really successfully in the Northwest. And then they began to have a broader vision uh, across the country. And Susan, when they were starting out, too, like that, it was kind of like Federal Express where 
when the the idea was out, nobody could kind of understand it initially. What you know? How does it work that way? And yet the idea of paying for, uh, a fee—I guess it was real sm- real small, as I recall—in the early days. And now it's a few bucks, but it, it's worth it to everybody. People can't wait to s- spend their annual thing because they know it's going to come in and save them more money in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, I remember my early days working in marketing at Nabisco in the nineteen mid eighties and. We used to refer to Costco and these other mass merchandisers as alternate channels of sale. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not anymore. But I remember you know, the, the yeah. special efforts we went to to have a, an extra big box of Ritz crackers or of Oreo cookies. It now is just part of the, the landscape. They have 853 warehouses around the world in 14 countries. And if they're not in your country yet, it's just because they haven't found space yet. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when IKEA first came to the United States, the same thing. It's like, what? And they're doing from Europe uh, what Costco's doing from the United States is uh, bringing this out. I want to talk about some of these things. And you have all the stuff in the book. There's no way we could ever cover everything. We don't want to because the fun of this is you find little tidbits in this book. It's kind of like going to Costco. But... There are certain things. Right off the bat, I remember my father loved to go and get hot dogs there. That was like a big thing. I go in to get the chicken because I make soup out of it. Those loss leaders, was that a concept right from the start for Costco, the idea, well, we'll bring people in with this stuff and then they'll do other shopping? Well, with all due respect, I want to correct the term you use, loss leaders, because they're not. Um, what Costco does is, and this is part of the business model, is everything they sell is sold at most 14% above cost. So the way that they've been able to keep the hot dog and the chicken at those prices for 40 years, because um, September 15th will be the 40th, is the 40th anniversary of the founding of this great institution. The way they've done this is by vertically integrating the business. So they now grow their own chickens and they make their own hot dogs. So they've been able to reduce cost and increase the quality as they go, which is just the, the, the Costco mantra. Um, so those are not lost leaders that they're, they're yeah. selling to get you into the warehouse. So I guess those are some of the myths that come out then, because I had always heard that. I did not get that from your book, obviously, but, uh, you know, I always thought that they took they took a little bit to get you in, but no. th- but that's interesting. So that's kind of a, they deserve a gold star for efficiency, right? I mean, no matter what yes, they do. Yes, they, they really do. Their their logistics system is a thing of beauty. We've We've been treated to an inside look at the depot system and how they work, and they really squeeze all of the cost out of the process of getting from, let's say, uh, a field of strawberries out in California to warehouses around the world. And they're specialists in this, and, and they pass those savings along to their members. More with David and Susan Schwartz, authors of The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z, in just a moment. This is Vegas Never Sleeps. This is Justin Shando, the 2010 Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national healthcare alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. 
we provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-896-7012. That's 800-896-7012. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. If you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep coming and want to learn how you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Even if you've tried before and were unsuccessful in getting rid of your timeshare, Call now and see if we can help. We offer a 100% unconditional client satisfaction guarantee. Make this completely free call and learn how we can help you legally put an end to your timeshare nightmare once and for all. You've got nothing to lose, so call right now to qualify and receive a free consultation. 800-803-5449. That's 800-803-5449. 800-803-5449. 803-5449. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. We are talking with David and Susan Schwartz, authors of The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. What about cashews? I hear about cashews. I wasn't familiar with that till I uh, till I got your book. Tell tell me tell us a little bit about cashews. Well, the way they're grown is amazing. It's just a, a fantastic process. But they the the farmers in Africa and um, elsewhere who who grow the cashews. Costco sells half the world's cashews. First of all, so they've got literally their pick of the crop, and they're selling top grade cashews. Um, but the the farmers, they all have really small farms, like one and a half acres each. So that's another myth about Costco. That's like, you know, Big Brother growing these huge plantations of things. They they work with small providers, small artisanal manufacturers. Um, the way they're they're grown is really fabulous, and um, and they're 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 just wonderful. They sell them in all different varieties. Um, everything bagel, cashews, dill pickle flavored cashews, everything cashews. I mean, right now, chili and lime. Chili pepper and lime is a popular flavoring, and so we've tasted those as well. Yeah, and the great thing about cashews, too, people don't realize, that's a better nut, I think, than typical peanuts, walnuts, and what have you. Oh, I think so, too. And I think you, what you'll find, if you take a look at a, a cashew jar at Costco, there are almost no broken nuts in those things. They're whole and beautiful. But that raises the question, issue of sustainability as well. So David mentioned a, a cashew jar. Costco has moved away largely from the plastic jars they were using for those. Now they're selling them largely in plastic bags that are resealable. Yeah. And that's one of the many ways that they're trying to address a sustainability issue. A company as large as Costco, with the kind of corporate responsibility they have, they take that very seriously. If they make the lid on their little tiny water bottles, even a, a, just a, a micron smaller, it saves a lot of plastic. And they, they look for that everywhere without the, throughout the organization. Now, before people pick up your book, they probably have an idea at least that, wow, some stuff is always here. Some stuff's here for a little while and other stuff comes in and goes out. You never see it again. That's actually in the part of the plan, right? I mean, they all work that way. Absolutely. They, they rotate stock frequently. It's part of the reason that because they're restricted to 3,800 units in each, in each warehouse. So if you find something new that you think members are going to love, you have to pull something out. 
and it's a it's a process of 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 first of all checking out whether new products are popular with members, and if they're not, they, they don't continue. But if new products are popular with members, they, they may pull it off for three months or six months and, and come back. I'll give you a great example. Uh, a few months back, they launched something called peanut butter and chocolate pie in the bakery. The bakery right now is on fire, and they're coming up with all sorts of great ideas. It was extremely possible, pop, popular, and then it disappeared. And it's just come back, and uh, people are f- really excited that it's come back because it's so great. So, th- so they wrote that this is part of, of their business model, the rotation of stock through the warehouse uh, to keep the, the, the total number of, of items at 3,800 and to give a sense of excitement and anticipation about, you know, what's coming next. And also to give just variety. I mean, for example, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie has just returned. About a week ago, we had our first pumpkin pie of the season. They sell, I think, six or eight million pumpkin pies a year, but only between September and December. So if you like them, get it now, freeze it, and then, you know, next year, wait for it to come back. It's kind of fun. Well, you guys capture there's a certain psychology to, to Costco, the way they do things. That's why I, I see all, they're always listed as one of the places that people want to work. They don't have the attrition that most industries, you know, in, in that industry has. It's just, it, it's incredible. Do they talk about this a lot? I mean, is it is that co- company culture a big part of what they do? Are they constantly looking at it? It's absolutely central. And, you know, the kind of culture that people like, like Saul and Robert Price and Jim Senegal and Jeff Brotman created is, is, is critical to their success. They, they, treat their, they, they treat their members well. They treat their employees well. Uh, they treat their vendors well. They obey the law. And as a result, their shareholders benefit. Um, one of the things that we, we found amazing is whenever we go to, to, to warehouses, employees are so excited about the book because they love the company and they love the company so much that actually their turnover rate is one of the very lowest in the entire retail world it's i think somewhere if you if you if you last a year at costco the turnover rate beyond that is about seven to nine percent annually which is which is staggeringly low and you know people be people really have careers there they can rotate through different jobs in the warehouse so it doesn't get boring. They can transfer to different locations around the world because Costco has such a large footprint. They care deeply about their employees. It's a great place to work. Jim Sinegal says, it's, very selflessly, it's not altruism. It's just good business to treat your employees well. And he's right. But it really shows. And you, it, it makes it a happy place to be. It's just, you know, whether you're a member or an employee, I think it's really... People really enjoy being part of it. One of the things that was so exciting for us is Costco does the right thing even when no one's looking. And it's a feel-good story about how you can do the right thing and still make money. You know, you don't have to make as much money as you can, but you can just still make enough money so that it's a decent business. As Craig Jelinek likes to say, we get a fair return on our investment. You know, it's just decent. One thing I find interesting is I find in a lot of places – You'll see the Costco, and it's be right next door to a Walmart and another, you know, some of the larger stores. And it seems to work well for everybody because it's good to be near them, and they're happy to be in those sections. Is that something? I mean, they don't—they don't seem to have any kind of fear of competition, at least outward, that you see. 
Oh, I think they take their competition very seriously. I'm not sure if fear is the right word, but they, they're very, very aware uh, of the role of luck in, in, in their success, and they're also very aware that the culture is, is so important to preserve. And I don't think they take their, their success for granted at all. But yes, they, they feel that they, if, they, if they're doing their job right, they can compete toe-to-toe with, with, with any retailer out there. But, you know, it's very important that they do their job right, and they're very focused on that. You know, it's part of the philosophy, too, to make it an outing. I always notice people talk about, okay, i got to go to Costco. And they, you don't usually say that when you go to the grocery store, somebody's like, i got to go to Costco. And you, you're looking forward to it. And, you know, some people go all the time. Some may go once a month. But there's a certain excitement about it. Well, we're, we're not normal people when it comes to Costco. We'll admit that up front. <laughs> um, we're probably on the end of the spectrum. But um, I will say we, we took a 19-hour direct flight to Auckland from New York to go visit New, the one warehouse in New Zealand. And we were sort of tired, but I'll tell you, when we walked into the warehouse, I perked right up. <laughs> it's just a fun place to be. And, you know, it's a place where families can, can go. And, you know, you're, after, you, after you've done your shopping, you could take the kids to the food court and a family of four can eat for twenty dollars. Yeah, exactly. And where else can you do that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So speaking of luck, I want to mention that we're really lucky that twenty-two of the twenty-four publishers that first saw this book turned it down. Um, our agents were really great, and um, they stayed with us as we said, "Okay, fine. We're going to turn down the two offers we did get because we don't like them, and we're going to do the book ourselves." So this is—you're talking to the entire company of Hot Dog Press right now, both of us from our 450-square-foot apartment in New York City, and um, we're here to tell you that we managed to publish the book on our own. We're being distributed by one of the largest uh, sales and distribution companies, and we were printed by a very large printer. Um, this, is a, this is an unusual story in many ways. Yeah, you guys really deserve a round of applause because it's a great book, and, you know, I, I think the fact that you did have that kind of control made it your book and by by you know what i'm saying and it really comes across like when you're going through this book and everybody's going to buy it and they're going to keep it because it's one of those things you never give away you know you 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 buy them for gifts and so forth for people you hear the term coffee table book and i talk about that a lot but this is one that everybody will pick up and i think it's because your personalities kind of came through of it it's an honest love of a company and it comes through and, and you kind of explain why you know, that's so wonderful that you say that, uh, because Susan and I worked together on the book and wrote the book together, but actually the voice of the book, the voice that you catch there, which you described so well, is Susan's voice. And we, 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 we made a conscious decision to use that voice throughout the book to capture the infectious fun. Well, it comes across. And before we go, I want to go through each one of you. So let's start with Susan. I, I said before, you guys have great backgrounds and so forth, but I think it's important because, uh, you know, you both went to great schools. Uh, Susan, in your case, University of Pennsylvania, Columbia. But you worked at Nabisco and General Foods. That lets you really see not only corporate America, but the world of food and so forth. This has to be really amazing to you, thinking what, what you started with, to see what can come out of kind of a different approach to something we all do. Oh, absolutely. And, and particularly in my case, I mean, my grandparents had a luncheonette in New York City back in like the 40s. Uh, so my family's always been interested in the food business. It kind of comes naturally to me. So it's just been really fun. To, uh, one, one sad part about this is that um, David's dad passed away in 2006, and both of my parents are gone. But 
all four of our parents were huge Price Club and Costco fans, and we just we just hope that my dad in particular is just looking down and smiling. He loved a Costco hot dog. He would be laughing hysterically if he knew that our company was called Hot Dog Press. You know, that is funny. And, you know, it, one of the things I thought, and I think a lot of people are going to have that, made me think of my father because my dad used to love that one. Once he retired, he loved to go down to Costco, get the hot dog, walk around a little. You know, he wouldn't buy a lot necessarily. And yet he loved it. And he was a Safeway manager his entire life. So it was one of those things. He just was fascinated by it. Now, David, you wrote, of course, you, you mentioned the book on uh, Fermi. You went to Stanford, you know, MIT, <laughs> very, uh, you know, better than average schools, let's say. You grew up, you kind of saw this thing. Was this something too, where because you grew up with it so early, like with uh, you know, like you said with the Price Club and so forth, you kind of got to see it develop, and it, it was always a part of your life. Well, it was a part of my life, and um, you know, my parents loved it. It was a part of my life, and I I always had questions about how they do it. You know, uh, from the beginning, you know, how do they how do they manage to to have this wonderful warehouse that changes product all the time that's always high quality that's always low price and you know i think that i i viewed this as an opportunity to find out how they do it i think susan did too and i think we were we were both really gratified that we were able to to see as much as as we we were and to and to explain that to other people so from my point of view yes this was i mean it's me me some of my friends uh, when I when I told them I was writing a book about Costco, they said, "What? You're going from Enrico Fermi to Costco?" <laughs> and and I said, "Yeah, because it's really interesting. It's a really interesting business, and it's successful. And the reasons for its success are not obvious. But I hope people will will get a better sense of that from reading the book, and we'll see, you know, the 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 things that go into making a company like this a success." Well, I, I will say. I think people will pick up the book. Oh, that's kind of cool, and Costco's fun. And when you get done reading it, you go, "Wow, that was one of the most interesting things I ever read." Even if you can't stand Costco, and I don't think there's many people that do, you're going to find this interesting. There's just stuff about it that you never knew. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, the other thing is when you start writing a book, and I had this with the Fermi book too, but we had this with the Costco book. You start out writing a book, and you realize it's going to be a big time commitment. And you hope that as you dig deeper and deeper, you don't sour on the subject. Because I, I know a lot of, of authors who, who do have that experience. What we found wonderful was that the, the more we dug into Costco, the more we loved it. You know, we didn't find anything that was disappointing. We really loved the company. And the deeper we dug, the more we did. Well, let's tell people how they can get the book. <laughs> I think that's really important. The book, first of all, is The Joy of Costco, A Treasure Hunt from A to Z. And that A to Z part you'll figure out right away makes it even more interesting. Where can we get it? You can get it at, at Costco starting on September 12th. You can also pre-order it online on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, all the, all the big online book retailers. Uh, we'll, we'll have it uh, for pre-order right now, but it will be available. Oh, it's also going to be available at Costco.com 
uh, at, at some point in the very near future. And we're also big supporters of independent bookstores, um, so we've been sort of pitching our case to have them carried as well. Um, we're, we're hoping that it'll get good distribution across the span of in different channels. Yeah, that'd be a great spot for it, too, because I think people would see it there, and it'll, it'll just kind of stand out because it's something a little different, and that's kind of why we go to small bookstores, too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we also feel like the members, um, I'm sorry, not the members, the employees who work there, there are about 300,000 around the world. They're so dedicated and they love it. And also the vendors who work with Costco, they really love the company as well. And they go in and out of airports. So, you know, we think it's a natural for people to pick up anywhere they are. Or at least we'd like to think that. It's our own company. We paid for the whole thing ourselves. Every pre-order is grateful. We're grateful for every pre-order. <laughs> well, definitely uh, you have our complete recommendation on this it's a wonderful book david and susan thank you so much and we hope to have you on again sometime this was a lot of fun oh thank Thank you you very much it's been a real pleasure please follow vegas never sleeps on all social media platforms including x facebook and instagram and thanks for listening today this is stephen manchi reminding you vegas never sleeps vegas here we go And now, another film rental discovery. Hello. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Paul Thomas Anderson is on every Today's Best Directors list. From Hard Eight, one of our favorites, to the Oscar-winning There Will Be Blood, he brings to his material a singular sensibility which elevates it well above the norm. Punch Drunk Love is an offbeat little story rendered exquisite by iconic imagery and interesting characterizations that are enriched with love, self-actualization, and danger. Adam Sandler. Yes, that Adam Sandler. But here in a role that proves that he is more than a water boy. Plays Barry, a dysfunctional man brought up by seven emasculating sisters. Endless teasing has left him deeply withdrawn, obsessive, and with usually carefully controlled anger issues. But Lena, played charmingly by Emily Watson, sees something she likes in Barry, and they begin a tender love affair. In the past, Barry has turned to paid female phone companionship to relieve his loneliness. But now he is being extorted, first by threats, then physical attack. Philip Seymour Hoffman, always a treat, has a rich cameo role as the sleazy extortion entrepreneur. Punch Drunk Love is deceptively simple on the surface, but it runs deep with beauty and individuality. Punch Drunk Love, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Holy gentle giants, dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants Life Enhancing Dog Food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog.